So Aman, I think uh, since we have met only once and um, besides looking at your LinkedIn profile, I have not, uh, uh, I know what you have done at a very high level, but it will be awesome to hear uh, from you, like your journey of how you started and sure. where you are and, you know, that'd be awesome. Absolutely. So yeah, uh, thanks, uh, it was uh, Balaji, I mean, for, I mean, inviting me to talk to you. Uh, you know, as you said, like, you know, uh, it was really interesting talking to you when we met in person and uh, uh, yeah, uh, and when we talked last year, uh, what you were talking about, it all sounded really exciting. And I'm really happy to see that, you know, you, you, you made progress on that path uh, and you know, what seems like totally a worthy problem for smart people like you to be working on. Okay, so that's great. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, for me, you know, I, I, I got, uh, so I mean, I, I did my undergrad from Bitspilani. I did graduated back in 2010. Okay. And while I was doing my undergrad, I, so initially, like, I mean, you know, I mean, when you enter undergrad, like, uh, and I mean, I was doing it in computer science. And so you, I mean, you're not sure what you want to do. And so you, so one of these internships that I took, so, I mean, initially I was interested in like parallel computation and I thought that was a really cool thing, but I, I did one of these internships uh, at this, at Max Planck Institute in Germany, where their professor, where the, you know, the researchers, they were working all on machine learning. And it's actually, the lab is run by, you know, one of the giants of the field, Professor Bernard Shalkov. And so, uh, you know, I, I was, I was doing as an intern, my job there was to do parallel implementations because that's what I wrote in my application. I'm interested in parallel computing. And they were like, sure, why don't you come over and do some parallel implementations for us? But there they were doing this machine learning research. And I, you know, this was my second year in college. And uh, I mean, this was really the first thing that I actually got interested in, like from a, like a, from a, like, wow, this is something I might want to work on. Um, and that was, you know, like largely because of this environment where, you know, uh, I mean, I was always the guy doing the implementation, the engineer, but you know, the, all the, you know, the, the talks with the researchers and the conversations, I mean, they were just the right kind of conversation that I wanted to have that I enjoyed having as a student back then. And so, yeah, I mean, that's how I got interested in machine learning, uh, or, you know, in second year in college. Uh, and since then, you know, I've been, I would say, you know, working in this field in one form or the other. So in different roles, mostly in industry, I, I never really got interested in doing actual research. Uh, but, uh, you know, I mean, my, my, I mean, I immediately, my, my attraction towards this was, wow, this is such an amazing way to solve engineering problems. Um, and I would say my journey over the last 10 years has been, has been one of trying to figure out different ways in which you can use machine learning to solve actual problems. And um, yeah, and um, uh, I mean, I could go into some details, but I mean, uh, overall, you know, so um, that has been the focus of my of my work. That has been the theme around which uh, you know, which has kept me motivated to to work in this field. And uh, you know, along the way, I, I went to Stanford uh, for my master's in machine uh, in computer science. With you know, where again the focus was on machine learning, uh, and in particular, by that time, I had gotten more interested in natural language processing. And so, uh, you know, studied with some amazing people like Chris Manning, uh, Andrew NG, all of those. Um, and, you know, that, that was a great experience um, that, you know, opened up my mind further to what is possible, what is not possible. And, uh, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, I've been working, uh, last few years, I've been working as a, as a consultant uh, with multiple companies, helping them build machine learning solutions, productizing them, designing them, all of that stuff. So. 
uh, is that uh, is that a good enough overview? no no i think it it yeah. kind of is really like a uh, like a elevator uh, <laughs> yeah yeah an elevator. yeah i didn't want to go into too much details cuz then it becomes like that but yeah, i did yeah, no, i, I didn't want but yeah this is the this is basically the sort of the theme right. what i've I been can't doing help but ask you yeah uh, you said in your linkedin profile stanford dropped yeah what what when uh, what what kind of uh, made you oh yeah i was purely like i mean uh, a family thing right so right. Uh, my my dad had a serious i see uh incident right uh and you know i'm an i'm an only kid right. uh and you know i had to come back and then then right. it was a question of whether or not i should go back and there was this period of six months right where i could have gone back or not gone back but you know eventually i, I was decided okay i've i mean i mean i found like some interesting companies in india to work it work at and uh, i mean overall the whole going back and and the and the uncertainty of being that far away <laughs> right 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 i see it it's back home it is uh, it was like it was not a, it was not a bridge i was ready to cross cross i see i yeah, see i see yeah. understand 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 awesome i mean i think it kind of uh, you know uh, i didn't realize that um, you know uh, as you were describing your journey i was like this is perfect right like as a person to have this conversation with like you know like spending 10 years looking at ai you know how ml could solve uh, you know different problems is exactly kind of the guy um, i should be speaking with and i you know i think it was it was fantastic okay so uh, you know uh, to I, i was kind of thinking right uh, one of the first things we could uh, buy uh, is to look at uh, maybe for somebody who uh, who doesn't uh, who's not exposed to technology Right. not exposed to particularly how rapidly things are moving right. uh, other than being a consumer of the right. you know like the the current tech that's available right. how can we describe to them uh, what ai ml is and you know and potential implications that could be a really great place to uh, start how would you uh, how would you so, uh, describe got it got it yeah i mean uh okay let me give it give it a shot like uh, i mean i sometimes wonder if i have to actually really describe what i do to my dad right. how will i do that <laughs> right so but uh, but let me put it this way okay so one thing is clear right that we use technology very often now and we use it for for like you know doing tasks like we do a bunch of tasks using technology now we don't often think about uh, and uh, you know unless you are computer scientists that how is this working but i mean the way it is working you know from at a very high level is that you have some people you know programmers sitting down and trying to figure out what every step of that task is right. and writing it down in a you know in a formal language that a computer can understand so that when you click on a button you know uh, you the action that you did was the click but then there is like i don't know 20 or whatever like you know and you expected that an email will be sent right and so at in the back you know uh, that click triggers like a sequence of actions which some programmer has carefully written down that if someone clicks this send email button these are all the things that need to happen for an actual email to be sent right. okay so that's that's one that's one that's a very utilitarian view of technology now uh where does uh ml come in okay and ai in general so uh, so okay so that's this is technology now A click of a button and and sending an email 
sounds like I mean, if you were to not send an email and if you were to send like by a by a physical like like let's say you had a guy like a Dunzo uh, who would just take that thing and go to a, somewhere else and deliver it doesn't sound something very smart. But what if like if you click the button and something smart happened like I mean someone right. did your taxes which is you know right. maybe not be the smartest thing but you know you pay people to do that right. so it's fairly smart. Right. Uh, so uh, so and 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 that. And how would you, I mean, and let's say that's what you wanted, that I, I click this button and my taxes, something something smarter is done, like, like you know, and that is where sort of where AI and ML starts to come in, because now if we just talk about AI, right, like AI is just artificial intelligence, uh, which means anything which we would classify as intelligent or remotely intelligent, right. uh, if that is kind of automated, then we can call it, you know, this is an AI system. So that AI system, could be an, a simple algorithm. It could be a search. And very often, like if you take an AI course, the first thing that they will teach you is different search algorithms, right. because uh, because search is one way of of figuring out like you know uh, solutions right. to problems, right? So if you can, so so that is that is one way to build AI systems. And so uh, so yeah, so okay. At a broad level, AI slash ML is used to for for used when you have when you want something smarter to be done than you know what is very manually possible okay right. now the difference between ai and ml there comes now it becomes quite tricky okay for the programmer if he has to code it all up like if he has to code like i mean if it's just sending an email it's sequence of steps and it's easy enough but if it's doing taxes there can be like so many different uh, considerations and, and and everything and so and a programmer may not even be the you know he might not have the domain knowledge to 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 know like so you have to sit with someone there'll be communication there'll be like mistakes in communication it's a mess yeah. writing code for that okay and so that's where sort of ml is in a way the way i view it is is trying to come to the rescue of right. software developers in a uh, from a functional point of view you know right. and so like okay there's this complicated task that needs to be done and if i were to write code for this it will be like i mean forever and if i might still get it wrong and so how so ml provides a framework where if you have the input and output examples of a certain process and you use the right algorithms which we call learning algorithms in between then you can sort of approximate this algorithm that the some the programmer would have to write by hand and so you get a, if you and if you get a good enough approximation of this algorithm then you're golden like i mean then then you click the button you call that that uh, algorithm and your, your task is done right that, does that give a sense of one right, right. No, i mean i think it's a it's a it's a it's a great start i mean but i don't want to kind of dig a little deeper right yeah sure i sure. I, I um I remember this conversation with the taxi driver right like almost 15 years ago right and um uh, and I was, uh, you know, at that time, look, this whole autonomous uh, driving was, you yeah. know, like Google has just started to, yeah. you know, yeah. it was in the news that there is something called self-driving, right? right? And I was telling him, hey, uh, do you know that they are building self-driving cars? Right. And, and he was like, really? And yeah, I mean, and the, the car would drive itself? Yeah, of course it will drive itself. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's not doing it today as well, but I, and I'm quite sure it will do very well, very soon. Mm. And he was like, really? Um, and he, and uh, he was like, how can a machine learn? Mm. Mm. Right? Mm. How can, how can it learn? Right. I mean, because mm. um, you cannot, uh, to your exact point, 
right. cannot write code for every road situation that the car right. is going to be in right. and so which means there'll be novel situations that the mm -hmm. algorithm has to deal with and right. take good enough decisions which is better than what human beings does to be able to qualify right. To, right. to drive and so he was like really puzzled i mean i was like uh, mm. you know what do you think of, i asked him what do you think of a calculator mm. and uh, he was like yeah calculator is easy mm. right i can believe that the calculator can do better than me mm -hmm. but then i asked what is the difference and um, he was saying but here it seems to be way more complex mm -hmm. right and so then i asked him when a baby is born, I mean, asked him if he has if he has a child. I mean, he said, yeah. And when you're when you have when the baby was born, uh, it didn't know anything. Hmm. After a few years, the you know your son started to learn how to speak. How did right. that happen? Right. And uh, so you know, and I was saying there is a method of how this happens, and we are not perfect at mimicking it or we don't even understand exactly how it right. happens right. but we are getting closer and closer right we may be inching at this point but we are getting closer and closer to doing that right and um, so it was a very interesting conversation um, you know, yeah. <laughs> for me and i kind of felt if we can translate some of the the complexities and or even like to, I mean, I think the way you started was fantastic to be able to say, let's say if, um, if I am telling someone uh, to go, you know, to get, um, you know, get a drink from the fridge, um, that person would need very little instructions. I just have to say, go get the drink, right? Mm -hmm. He would know it is in the fridge. He yeah. will know yeah. what I like yeah. and he would know that he has to walk there. He has to open, you know, all of these steps. In a, in a traditional software, you have to write, right. you know, go, you know, go yeah. steps forward, open the door, <laughs> turn right, you know, yeah. go every step and then, you know, stand three feet before the fridge, open right. the door, you know. So I have to, that's what you're saying, right? So I have to describe every little thing that we can't imagine, like how mm -hmm. dumb, um, you know, a traditional uh, computer is. Mm -hmm. And um, and we have this problem of this the Midas problem, right? We don't know how to write requirements as human beings, right? 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 Even mm -hmm. if there is a genie, we would screw this up, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so there is that um, problem of you know uh, saying what we want, and yeah. even if we are able to say precisely what we want, we have to write all the steps, and then even if a small change happens, this program is going to stop working, right? Right? <laughs> right. And um, so that's kind of the traditional uh, software. And now yeah. we are saying that with ML, there is a marked difference that I don't have to tell everything to this algorithm, right? right. So yeah, maybe in a kind of, let's see how we can further uh, describe what is happening there. Okay. So uh, we can go very technical, but I'm going to try to go some, somewhere intermediate here. Right. So um, what are we doing with ML, right? So, I mean, uh, one thing is that when people think about machine learning, I don't want them to think about consciousness. I don't want them to think about uh, 
even intelligence, even though the word intelligence is right there in the name, artificial intelligence, I don't want them to think intelligence because intelligence comes, that word comes with so much baggage right. uh, of, you know, of like, of, of so many types of intelligence and everything, right? Emotional, everything, like everything just comes in. I want them to think uh, basic pattern recognition. That's what I want them to think first. Okay. Like, uh, uh, so, I mean, the question was, how does, a, how does, how can, how can a machine learn, right? And uh, the, the core, the, the most core common and the, and, and I would say the most, uh, I mean, successful also the paradigm in which machines learn is if you have inputs and if you have labels, okay? There are other ways of doing machine learning um, in which, you know, either you have an environment or there's a, in which you have just have inputs, you don't have labels. But you know, uh, like the most common way is definitely where you have inputs and you have labels. And learning is basically, you know, recognizing what patterns in the inputs correspond to what labels. Right. Okay. So if you're, if you can build, a, if 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 there is a, you know, uh, if if your algorithm can can recognize that that there are certain patterns inputs which correspond to certain labels, and so that when it gets a new input, it recognizes the pattern which. Uh, which is present in that input and then gives you the corresponding label right that is what most of machine learning is okay and so that's why you know, yeah like, I'm sorry, sorry to interrupt i mean for yeah. example like um if i upload a um you know a picture that i've taken with a bunch of friends on facebook right. then it's tagging all of them exactly right. exactly so yeah. uh, so this is a this is a, a like how like let's just take that example right so uh this is, you know, there are two actual problems. There's not one. So even though from my endpoint, it is just like one thing and it depends on how they implement it. But, you know, I mean, without going to that, like there is at least two things it has to do. It has to find out that there are, you know, different people in the picture. Right. Right. And that problem is called segmentation. Right. Uh, okay. And right. then there is the other problem. Okay. Now that you, I, I have these different people, this person is this guy. So that's right. facial recognition. And this other person is this guy. Right. So in order to build the tagging thing, you need to do both. Like you need to identify like segment right. uh, and I, and do facial face recognition. Right. right. And so you have basically, you can think of it as two independent pattern right. built for two to different be, problems. Yeah. To be able to say, what is a face? What are the yeah. number of faces in this yeah. picture? And yeah. then who they are, right? So yes, those are like exactly. two, two. Um, yeah. So two different pattern recognizers working together uh, to, to give you this, uh, this final output. And it is so stunning that uh, even though uh, the previous uh, pictures of a friend of uh, us that we have right. tagged, or the number of pictures of this person is very few, right, right, it's able to do it after he has grown a beard, you right. know, with, right. even with changes, uh, right. the system is able to identify, right? Yeah. So that's like. Yeah. The, and which is like you know a far cry from you know you asking someone to bring bring you know the example that you took of bringing water right, right. Like how little have you specified right. and how much you're getting out of it right like, right uh, and so and so yeah and and that actually you know that didn't used to be the case this you know the fact that we can do this now it's progress it's definite right. progress in the last 10 years around 2010 2010 the whole you know uh, like like CNNs, like which are a particular types of neural networks, right. they're shown to be very good for like image recognition and all that. And so that has that has given that has given this new lease of life 
uh, a new boost to right. uh, and, uh, because you know we are getting we are getting these these non-linear results right like we are putting in less we are getting more right uh, you know uh, and so that is definitely that's been that's a new thing in the field right yeah i mean i think this is um, um, so if you know would it be fair to say that um, if we provide um, um, a lot of data Hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, and as the, you know, um, and, you know, digitally, and it's able to parse out the various patterns. Hmm. And then, you know, because of the speed at which um, it's able to process, it's able to identify patterns that um, we are able to do, you know, like, for example, I could go to a, um, you know, to the airport to pick my friend, and then there are like, 500 people that, but I could zone in and right. kind of identify my friend, right? right? Which is kind of what Facebook is doing with the, right. with the tagging. Um, but I'm, I, I'm, I think at this point, human beings are so much better than uh, machines, but it's like the race is really- yeah. um, No, in fact, I mean, and that's, uh, no, yeah, like specifically for page recognition, I mean, human beings are like evolutionary tuned. Right. Like, you know, I mean, because faces matter a lot, like we see faces everywhere. Right. Uh, we see faces in, on the surface of Mars everywhere because yeah. you know that's just something uh, you know it's a and it's known that we are evolutionarily tuned to recognize faces. Right. But I think machines are still giving us a run for our money in that particular right. problem. <laughs> right, 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 totally. And um, so the the speed at which we are doing the um, you know and uh, uh, and we kind of recognize this person after thirty years. Right. when so many things have changed in this person because not just the face but yeah. you're able to identify so many different patterns in this person the way the person walks this you know right. speaks right. and so on right and um, but anyway without going into uh, that but basically what we are saying is that uh, given enough data mm-hmm. uh, uh, we can uh, and given the processing capabilities of um, um, of computers, mm-hmm. it's able to uh, take this data um, uh, in some sense, a brute force method of identifying patterns. Mm-hmm. Um, and because it's able to do it fast, um, you know, uh, this brute force still works. I mean, w- would it be fair to say it's still brute force? I mean, uh, so there's one- Not entirely, but- a Yeah, big, no, no. So, right? so, so, okay. So let's go a little bit more in details, right? So how is it? learning patterns and you know what does it mean so i mean i think it's fair to say it's brute force in some sense um it's doing a gradient based search is what it is doing okay which is like one of the like if you like okay so i mean okay now we're getting into a bit of mathematics uh so the the how do you do that right like i mean how how what is it formally defined as so formally there's this problem of empirical risk minimization okay um, now, what is that problem? That problem is that, you know, um, uh, given like, you know, using your data, which you call a training set right. on which you are training your algorithm uh, or your model, uh, uh, you you want to minimize what's called risk right. uh, empirically. Okay, that's what it is. And so what does that mean? So uh, risk is risk is what, you know, is what you, and that's actually part of the problem definition. So you specify what is the cost of making mistakes and all that i mean how do you measure uh, you know the distance between a correct and the wrong thing right 
and a wrong uh, prediction okay so you so that that's something you put in by hand um, and uh, empirical basically means you're you're computing it over all the training set right, right. now the now there are theorems uh, the reason why we use empirical risk minimization is because you know essentially we have bounds we right. have bounds which right. say that if you increase the data you know i mean in the limit uh, that the data set is tends to infinity like the empirical risk is will be close to the expected risk right. which is the risk on any future prediction which is the and so uh, and so you know and, and and but you know what you have is current data and that's the all that's all you have right. and so and so you 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 use that now uh so it's brute force in the set and so now this is an optimization problem right. and it's optimization it's a non-linear optimization problem okay it's non-linear because uh, you know because the the specific um class of models that we use to approximate uh, or the or parameterize this 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 function this transformation function right. that is non-linear okay and now and the reason i'm saying non-linear is because you know people who do and know a little bit of maths would know that you know uh, non-linear optimization uh, is like it's non-trivial and you know finding like global optimize is not easy Absolutely. but but uh, turns out and this has been one of the biggest surprises and you know there's been a lot of theory people working on this like how does this work in their hypotheses of all types turns out that even though this is a highly nonlinear optimization problem with like lots of uh, local minima you can reuse a brute force algorithm as you said which is stochastic gradient descent right it just looks at the local gradient and right. takes local steps and you still get to a good enough uh, 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 like optima and which is amazing like people did not i mean it was like theorists definitely did not believe it like practitioners knew it of course much earlier because they knew it like it's working across all sorts of problems <laughs> yeah it is just true and so it i mean you know this one i mean there's a lot of i mean there's there are questions of how i mean there are a lot of mysteries still open about how deep learning and and networks work it is one of them okay there are there are some cool results in this space for instance there are papers which show that all global minima are all, all local minima are as good as local or global minima in a lot of wow, these. Wow. Uh, wow. So, I mean, there's all sorts of weird things, but there's no conclusive understanding of why does this uh, work. But I think this is a fantastic point. And, uh, you know, uh, maybe at a, um, uh, for, you know, um, you know, for somebody who kind of like the last five minutes just went over. Uh, <laughs> so I think one way uh, I feel we could kind of describe, and I, I read this somewhere um, or heard somewhere, that imagine uh, I'm in like a, a mountainous area right. and I'm blind. And um, the only uh, input I can get is I can take a step in any direction. And then if I take a step, I will know whether I'm going higher or lower. Mm -hmm. And my goal is to go to the highest point in this mountainous range, mm -hmm. right? I could be standing on top of this little rock. Every mm -hmm. direction I go is lower. And I could be standing on the lowest rock mm. and right, because I'm blind and, um, you know, I need to go many steps down and then see whether I'm going to be able to go up or not. So I need to do many iterations to, right. be able to find out the, the top point. Right? right. So that I kind of thought is a really good metaphor for what oh, that's, that's brilliant. Right? The only thing that I would add to that metaphor, right. I think, right. and that, I think that is great. Actually, that covers most of it. One more thing is like you're standing there, your eyes are it, but you know, you can maybe feel around locally, which direction is going lower or up. Like, you know, maybe right, you right. can just feel around a little bit 
what is likely to be a, instead of taking a random direction you just locally you see around to see okay maybe this is better uh, and then so this is where you're saying it is not yeah. completely brute force yeah i mean this is very close to brute force though even right. the the peaking that you do instead right. of i mean ideally you would want to look at the whole all the data points but you take a small small set. smaller set right yeah it's a it's it's a very it's like you know it's, it's barely anything <laughs> but right. still not completely uh all right uh, cumulatively it is yeah accumulate it it would accumulate yes right. it would accumulate. so um you know for example right so let's say in in this case uh in like if you kind of go back to the facebook case or the face recognition right, uh, um, right. example that we were talking about um uh, so i know this is a face now which is already quite a magic Right, right. That this is not a wall, or this is not a picture. Yeah. Uh, this is not like a statue, which looks like a face. But I, this is actually yeah. a face. Yeah. This yeah. is uh, is already quite a massive uh, achievement. So if I once I get that face, um, there could be so many people who look similar, mm -hmm. and the global maxima is to find the exact match. Mm. Right. I mean, in Facebook's case, it's not a big deal because there is some sort of a filter already. Right. Uh, at people in the network and so on. So I don't have to search the whole database. I, I, mm -hmm. uh, um, I, uh, I, I think, um, but um, if this is like a CCTV camera in an international airport, then mm -hmm. the data set is much larger to kind of, there are so many local minimas available because of, uh, there could be similar faces, right. uh, so right. many similar faces. And I need to find out which is the, the best match for this. Right. So one thing is also that, you know, I mean, uh, typically like even for like say airports, like if you have a list of people that you're interested, so I mean, okay, how do you do face recognition, right? right. Uh, so face, face recognition, like there are multiple ways, but I think, but one of the ways is, and which is uh, quite, you know, uh, quite often used is that you model it as a, so you have, let's say you have some people of some person of interest and you have some, some of their person that the person's images, and what you do is you train the model to take a, any random image and say whether these two, this is of the same person or not. Right. Okay. So you take one input image, one uh, image, you know, uh, like which is, let's say, coming from a camera feed, one coming from, let's say, you know, a configuration. You've done a configuration that I want to look for this person Got or it. these set of people. And so now, and, and, and then you extract features from both of them. And then your model basically says, are they the same people or not? And so what you've trained on the model on is pairs of similar and dissimilar people. Got it. Okay. And so when you are doing this, this search in the space at that point, that is the space, you know, that is the space of whether similar or dissimilar. Right. And, and at the time of prediction, all you have to do is, you know, when you, when you actually, so you take this, this person's image, uh, you know, segment all the images that are coming from the camera and just right. run it through. It's still like an engineering challenge. Got it. Because, uh, you know, it might be like the real time feed has like hundreds of people and right. all of that. But, uh, but you know, I mean, uh, it won't be that much. Yeah. Right. You don't have to like, navigate the space at that point. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Awesome. So, um, so I mean, I mean, I guess like the, the you know, um, we, are, we are basically saying uh, there are patterns and then there are ways to identify the important or valuable um, connections in this. So let me, yeah, on that thing, right? That particular thing, let me just, I think, just add a little bit. And right. from the point of view of what I said, that what has changed in the last 10 years? Right. Now, right. Uh, what has not changed, let me say, is like basic, you know, let's say this classifiers, 
you know the kind of thick tools that we use for classification like the uh, and, and and you know the i mean what what would now be called the last layer of a neural network or whatever right and so like the ways in which we do classification that really hasn't changed that much like uh, right. okay the ways in which we represent data right uh, has changed and right. that has significantly changed so the way we would do that 10 years back okay and the, and that and earlier image recognition was such a difficult problem uh, is is that you would represent data by hand so that was called feature engineering so you would look at the data and you would be like okay what is a good way of engine of, of representing this data and then you would like you know look at the properties of the data and so that made that was easier to do when it was say you know tables okay you could look at statistics of things and you could look at hey this is like these are these columns are correlated so maybe you can remove these and all of that right you could you, these are like empty and you could remove these but when it comes to unstructured data it was very difficult to do people would still do that so computer vision you know prior to deep learning the whole field of cv would like they would have all ways of so there were these sift encodings and there were all sorts of different clever mathematical geometric ways of right. representing images that people had come up with because they had to uh because they didn't have any other option right and so so that's you would you would first do all this feature engineering and represent your data in a suitable format and then you would train a, a classifier on top of of this representation of data and then you know uh, and then um, um, based on like your labels right and so that that's what you do what has changed is now that you know with with neural networks and these deep neural networks uh we found that you still need to give some biases uh, i mean it's not clear how much that's one of the uh, still in the fog of war right. a little bit that you know how much but you know the general thinking is still that you need to give some biases as to what the architecture should be like depending on you know what are the depending on the type of data so for images it's good to typically use cnns though right. people are using other architectures now so but you know like because and the reason why it was you know guessed that it's good is because cnns you know they 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 represent images in patches and local things and there's invariance and all of that okay. so and, and those those are that's a good way of representing uh of, of bias so you have to put that little bit of bias but you don't have to you know by hand represent things anymore and so what that has done is that you can just take problems you can take create data sets and you can just apply and see how it works earlier just the just you know if you every time you take a new data set like you couldn't you couldn't there was no way to apply it like you would have to sit down with the data spend time with it and figure out what's the good way to represent this data and right. now that step has gone away and which means that you know i mean it still helps if you're gonna you know put more thought to it that always is a good idea right. but you know off the bat you can just take data sets you can throw them uh, in you know as long as you know you, you've got the labels and everything you, you and you can get like really good performance out of it and that has what has really changed it's become more commoditized that way got it got it yeah i mean i think this is like the uh, i think ray cruzwell um, uh, uh, um, says right um, when something works we no longer call it intelligence yeah yeah of course <laughs> so um, it always feels like artificial intelligence is like a promise that has not been delivered because every time so let me let me talk to you a little bit about uh, that if you don't mind uh, what, yeah, totally. what i think artificial intelligence right i think the i mean i'm sure like there's like older references but i think the the, the oldest serious reference to artificial intelligence in some sense is is the is basically by alan turing when you know he 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 proposed this game which he called the imitation game 
Right. And, and and the game was very simple where, you know, uh, like you have an evaluator and, uh, and, and you may have like a, like two doors or one door, depending on how you're going to set the game up. And the, and the job of the evaluator is to like basically ask questions or let's just say interact with that, uh, with, with someone behind the door or some system behind the door and say whether or not it's a human. And right. the thing that kind of uh, Turing sort of hypothesized was that, you know, in like, in certain amount of time, you know, we will come to a stage, machines will come to a stage where it will become, you know, no more than I think 70% likely that people will be able to say that it's a human or not. Okay. Uh, and so that is in a way our still perception, like, you know, of, of intelligence really, that can they fool us into thinking they are human, and, uh, which is another way of saying is, like, you know, if you know the details, humans fool us in some sense because we don't know their details right like how their thought process works and so they are impressive and, and they're creative so you know i mean as long as they as long as that is true we will probably consider it as intelligent and the moment right. someone removes the cover it will look like you know it's just more nuts and bolts right so, right 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 you know, actually this is a great uh, point um, you know i was speaking to a uh, a friend um, a couple of days about this very specific uh, topic and we were talking about this whole Turing test and yeah. uh, you know I was um, <clears throat> in in like particularly from a special needs perspective right at some point of time we might have um, uh, in, you know um, somebody on the other side of a zoom call right. a special needs educator teaching right. a child right. and whether the child and the parent is able to tell whether that person is right. an actual person or a computer generated person <laughs> right yeah like, that's yeah. like a turing test for what we are what yeah. we are kind of talking yeah. about right yeah, exactly <coughs> so uh, that's actually very interesting yeah <laughs> right if we are able to uh, if we are able to um, get to a point where the The, the artificial uh, teacher is as good um, as a human being, right. um, then, uh, you know, we have kind of already reached a pretty interesting point. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, no, so, and so I think- and stuff, huh? Right, no, no, no. I think that, that makes, that's correct. And one thing that I just wanted to note is that, you know, the parameters that the student test gives you, right? right. So it gives you one parameter, it gives you what is the way in which you will interact. Right. So for instance, like, you know, I would say, you know, there are, there are systems, if you define it narrowly enough, you can build systems which will pass the Turing test under that narrow definition. Right. right. Okay. So, so, you know, you, yeah, and, and so, and that is not to sort of diss the test that is to show its power that right. in some sense, you can say intelligence has been achieved under that narrow definition. So what are the parameters? One is like the way you can interact. So, you know, like what is, so, I mean, so for, let's say if it's only button clicks, and let's say if it's only yes, no interactions, right? Uh, or those are ways in which you can limit the time that the human has right. to interact. Uh, right. That's the right. other parameter that Turing gives you. Turing doesn't say that, you know, the human doesn't get, get a whole lifetime to evaluate whether right. or not this is a machine. They get like a fixed amount of time. Right. And then the third parameter is like the percentage of time that it fools. So it's not that it needs to work all the time, but right. if it works a certain percentage of time, right. then uh, it, you know, then, then again, you pass the Turing test. And so, it's a really nice test in that sense that it gives you these parameters. And if you, if you can define them in the correct way, you can actually claim that in, in this sense, you know, this is, uh, you know, you pass the test. You, you pass the 
path to yeah i mean i think this is uh, this is great and you know maybe this is like a um, you know a nice uh, segue into talk a little bit about uh, special needs and uh, you know like a, giving you like a backdrop of uh, right. uh, uh, special needs and uh, uh, you know I, you know my my um, uh, time in special needs is you know really like two two and a half years not mm -hmm. a lot mm -hmm. Uh, but I have a background in healthcare mm. and I have a, you know, I have a you know, background in behavior change and things like that, mm. but mm. Uh, I'm reasonably new to uh, special needs. And I, I kind of wanted to think first principles, say, Hey, let's look at this in a, in a big picture to see what is the, what are some of the key problems that we need to solve? Mm -hmm. So uh, if you, if I can summarize this in like the next five minutes or so, right. The, the huge uh, challenge is, there are a lot of children with some special needs, right? And uh, there are two types of special needs, you know, from uh, how I see it. One is like a visible special need. If let's say if a child has, um, you know, autism, or if, uh, you know, if a child is with uh, Down syndrome and so on, then it's visible, the parents um, uh, recognize it and the system recognizes and then interventions can happen. Uh, depending upon um, the availability and the uh, affordability of the parent, right? But there are a lot of invisible uh, needs. Uh, you know, like, uh, for example, like uh, some of the movies like Tariz Aminpur could show from, if you look at the child, you don't really know that this child has dyslexia, right? There is no uh, external, uh, even in some milder forms of autism, there is no visible uh, science, but um, if the child and is then there is this alternative explanation that you can go to, which is like is just being problematic. Correct, 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 correct. And it's like a, um, a, a lazy but well accepted answer yeah. <laughs> uh, to, to this problem, right? And uh, and this is happening at all levels. Um, so you know, I think one of the biggest problems is like an awareness problem, mm. right? Um, so, you know, our estimate is there are about 2 million children, uh, 2 million newborns who would have some special needs, right? Every year. Wow. That's how big the issue every is. Every year. Okay. Every year. Yeah. Right. And uh, in, if you take India, uh, and this is true for all the developing world, it's about 15 to 20% of children born would have some, and I'm saying 20%. Uh, 20% is in US and UK. Wow. Right. So, you know, 15 to 20% is in US and UK. Mm. In the developing world, I'm, I, you know, you, we can only, uh, you know, guess, but, you know, we could guess that it's much higher, right? Because there are nutritional challenges and all sorts of other mm. issues, right? Because the early intervention is not there. As a result, um, you know, more problems are. Uh, you know, seeps through the gap and, you know, uh, prolongs much, much longer. Right. So, um, so there is the, you know, one, there's a knowledge and a skills problem, you know, one, I don't, I'm not aware of it. And then once people are aware of it, but there are not enough people with the right skills to be able to intervene. Mm -hmm. Right. So to me, this is like one of the biggest uh, issues. And this issue is compounded by the fact that there are so many different special needs. It's not like one special need, right? Special need, not right. one thing. There are right. so many different um, uh, aspects 
you know, uh, from intellectual disability to learning disability and um, uh, autism and um, and so many other um, uh, stuff, and with different severity mm. and some comorbidities. Mm-hmm. You know, a child would have autism plus ADHD, you know, a child could have learning disability plus ADHD. So, it, you know, there could be so many different combinations of this, right? As a result, it almost feels like every child is unique and, um, you know, it becomes, you know, it's almost like only after years of experience, somebody could actually do, uh, you know, a significant intervention. So this is like the knowledge skills problem compounded by all of these uh, things. Uh, the second, uh, you know, second big problem uh, uh, that I could see is that there is a lack of supply of skilled resources. Mm. Right. So in India, I think uh, it's an estimate. I we could be wrong, uh, but we cannot be. We may not be wrong by a lot. Uh, is that m- maybe about fifteen thousand or so people come into this industry as special educators every year? What? Yeah, fifteen thousand. That's like you know, maybe less the, the staff of a hospital or something, right? Like, I mean, I mean, that's a very small number. Very, very small number, right? So these are like certified. You know, um, you know, there is like the certification for RCI. You know, the Rehabilitation Council of India. Right. So that certification uh, and the number of people who qualify to certify, actually, not certification. We do. I mean, uh, uh, I couldn't find all the numbers, but so that's a small number. Mm-hmm. But we know that. The, the demand, like, you know, just 2 million children every year. So if you kind of just look at the school system, so it's about 15 plus two, maybe like 17 years into 2 million, mm-hmm. about 34, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, million children, at least in, mm-hmm. in this, uh, uh, in this uh, you know, with these needs. So what's happening there is um, one, you don't need uh, like, a, like a, a doctor uh, to do everything, right? So if you, if you go to a hospital, a nurse could do a bunch of things, you know, allied medical professionals could do a lot of things. The same is true here. Uh, we don't need, like, I mean, at least this is our hypothesis that we don't need um, uh, like extremely trained uh, people all the time, but this supply gap is really huge, mm-hmm. right? And the supply gap is surprisingly not just in the developing world. Even in the developed world, this is true. Uh, you know, I was reading this article um, that in San Francisco, um, uh, like in like in the Bay Area, not even like some rural right. uh, right. San Francisco, in the Bay Area, uh, it could take sometimes like two months to get appointment with a speech therapist. Right. So imagine a f- tier four city in India or in Philippines right. or in Indonesia. I mean, it's like you know. Uh, really hopeless situation so that's the second huge problem like the whole supply problem Mm. the third problem is an affordability problem right how do i uh, you know it's it can be very expensive to intervene and uh, how can we reduce the cost of all the interventions required Uh, for example um, a child with autism uh, i might need a few years of speech therapy uh, and each session, like in Bangalore, could cost you like thousand rupees, you know, eight hundred rupees per session. And right. if I have to do like two, three sessions a month, a week, right, that adds up to be a lot. And very few people can afford that. Right. And what what is the alternative? You know, intervene less or 
you know so you know then it, it compromises the long term uh, outcomes for the child but it's a very difficult situation to solve mm. right and uh, the the fourth problem which i think is is a very interesting problem that we very you know probably like the first problem which is the knowledge and skills problem and the the last problem is very connected to ai, AI ml i think uh, which is like if i am a special educator i'm working with the child and i'm providing some interventions i can see that this child was not able to uh, do uh, say two digit additions and then i provided some interventions and after three weeks the child is able to do it do it well and now this protocol that i used to make this change is not documented hmm. systematically and um, and not widely spread right i mean one i need to first document to be uh, for others to be able to learn from it and yeah. this knowledge leak is continuous and you know and the same way after three weeks nothing happened mm -hmm. like no progress was made that data is also missed mm -hmm. right so this is like a leaky bucket constantly with the big leaks everywhere so right. the overall system is not learning faster and faster right in mm -hmm. terms of uh, you know because uh, or even like you know recording events right so i mean that's yeah exactly yeah. and as a, i mean like a special educator is a very difficult job right um, because uh, it takes a lot of patience sometimes results could take some time and you you got to be uh, kind and patient and compassionate to be able to provide that care for the child because children are very sensitive right if i am right. impatient if i get frustrated the child would instantly know Right, right. I'm becoming a problem for the child's learning instead of the aid for the child's learning. Right, right. right. And um, and you know, one way to reduce the frustration is actually knowing exactly what to do. Right, right. Uh, so people who are who have learned that actually get very engaged because they can actually make that happen. Right. So, so yeah, that's kind of you know in a very very broad sense. Yeah. Um, all the the problems that I manage to uh, see so i have a, you know on something that you said like i had a question so like i'm like of course you know like the number of okay is the is, is you know in the way in in care in taking care of special needs and like you know special let's say speech impediments right and it's a speech therapist right i mean how much is it even possible or am i being just again too naive by thinking that okay maybe what you like you really need to do is like you know like as a parent or like you know as a as a as some other family member because that's something that in india you you may have more than in other countries and some family member who has time can they not get trained to see or or like follow or work as like an actual speech therapist oh, assistant yeah. in a way Absolutely. you know and, yeah. and so is that a thing that is done and like or is that or does that have challenges or you know does it no, no i think it is it is done uh, okay. typically particularly when there are some moderate to severe needs mm. uh, a parent has to kind of stay at home and mm. do this okay right? and they they do a lot of things uh, yeah. you know in fact in uh, in the workshops and webinars that we conduct a lot of parents to join mm. right mm. so uh, but the training is very informal mm. right and uh, because given the complexity of it um, uh, sometimes parents who uh, who you know a lot of people mm. who are special educators have some personal experience mm. right mm. so they become special educators because they have they have they have experienced it as a parent or as a 
as a caregiver for a, for a child. And sometimes, um, um, you know, there's like an overfitting of data. I have an experience of one case right. and now I could take that and apply it in many cases which are not necessarily appropriate. Right, right. right? So that risk also exists and this is one of the challenges, right? Sometimes right. they say, oh, a parent becoming a special educator has its challenges. Right. Right. But yeah, for that child, absolutely, the N of one is, yeah. is, uh, is really powerful. And, and so, you know, I mean, when I said, you know, like, I mean, so for instance, again, like, again, very thinking naively like i mean clearly yeah there would be like you know you could not give them like a full-fledged training maybe what a special educator gets but like can you give them like a tool like an app that they can follow and you know and so they you know they understand things but you know like they have a lot of guidance at hand how to do that i think more you know like a lot of um you know home kits are uh, being developed and home based programs are uh, being developed so there yeah. are, there are quite, you know there, there is a lot done in this area but i think yeah huge opportunity there yeah. Uh, yeah. definitely a combination of tools and continuous uh, training and yeah i mean and of course there are cases in which you know it's not like especially these days it's not like logic i mean it, it might be too much of a burden on yeah. parents who because the economic burden is already there and that also needs to be born and that Correct. takes time uh, out of your life right so uh, it might be too much to expect but you know in cases where that's an option that sounds Absolutely. like a reasonable and thing. i think it's always like a hybrid right, right. you you know uh, so instead of uh, like you know let's say speech therapy right instead of uh, depending completely on a speech therapist or mm. completely depending on a parent it could be a hybrid right where you could you could reduce cost but keep up the the number of interventions required. Sometimes you learn something and then repeat it many times. Right. Right. So yeah, I, I think there are like a bunch of uh, opportunities to um, to mm. to optimize that. Uh, but yeah, like the you know using the tools like you know uh, one of the examples that we commonly use is like uh, like twenty years ago, if if you have to take a really nice picture, mm -hmm. you need to know something about photography. You need to know something about yeah, uh, I mean, physics, really optics, yeah, in right. some sense. Right. You need to have a, a really good understanding, right? But right. Um, that problem is taken care of by the tools, right? right? So right. that you don't have to do a lot of things. Uh, you can focus on, you know, really caring for the child and being there for the child. And yeah. some of these technical challenges could be abstracted by, um, yeah. by the tools. Absolutely. I think um, yeah, huge opportunity there too. Interesting. No, uh, makes sense. Right. So that's kind of the backdrop, right? Um, and, uh, you know, maybe we could kind of, you know, venture back into this AI ML space right. and, um, you know, look at what is cutting edge now and mm -hmm. what are some of the new things coming. And maybe we could kind of also see how we could uh, explain this in layman's terms mm -hmm. so that, uh, you know, people could, uh, uh, people could imagine, uh, mm -hmm. you know, one of our taglines is to raise aspirations. Right, 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 right. Absolutely. So, and uh, and raising aspirations is to really find out what is possible, mm -hmm. right? And if I, if I know that things are possible, like the four, you know, like this common example of this four minute mile, uh, right. nobody thought it was possible. And then one person did it and then thousands of people do it. Right, right. right. So showing what is possible, I think is the first step yeah. in raising aspiration. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, with that, uh, with that sense, like, what are some of the uh, technologies that are cutting edge, right? So that is like already in the labs working, but not yeah. widely distributed, but uh, 
you know we spoke about some of the stuff that are already yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but what are some of the things that are coming up and how sure. we change uh, sure. the problems that so let have. me yeah so like two things uh, let me touch upon like very broad things right so one is large models okay and let me just put that in uh, in right. that category in particular right. there are large models of of text usually right. english but text in general okay and these large and when i say large like these have like you know billions of right. of you know they're huge models and you have to train them like you, you need like thousands hundreds of thousands up to millions of dollars like you need like big machines and all of that and and this might just sound like a weird thing but it just like why who cares like why do we need large models what has but you know one of the as i was telling right one of the intriguing things that you know that we still don't completely understand but we are like holy shit this is amazing let's see what this does uh, about deep learning is that you know if you take these large models and you train them in you on you know in this on like text they seem to learn a lot uh, in fact they seem to learn a lot of things that it's not very you know easy to put what they've learned tangibly you can just play with it and see and be like it learned that that's that's amazing and so and so this is so that has so there are these so i mean maybe you've heard of these like gpt3 gpt2 came gpt3 and then there are these large text models uh, which are which are basically language models which comes from an nlp work right. which is basically you know they learn to just predict the next word that's all they learn okay right. uh, i mean i'm simplifying it a little bit but that's roughly what they learn and so right. And they do it and they do it on like uh, they they have like lots of parameters as they said and they do it on like a pretty big data set uh, and what we found is that once you've done that you these like they, they learn some inherent things so that uh, you take another task and typically let's say you know some other any other task right and you, you uh, people keep playing around with a lot of other tasks in this domain that's why you see them sharing all these screenshots of gpt3 did this GPT yeah, yeah. So, but what you do is you take a task, give it a few examples of the task, and then, you know, give it a new example, the only input of the example, and then it will give you the output. Right. And, you know, I mean, it doesn't always get it right. It, it makes a lot of mistakes, but an unreasonable number of times it gives you a result which makes you go, wow. Okay. Yeah. Now, this is one, you know, this has been very exciting development, uh, you know, and we still don't completely understand it. We're still figuring out ways as to how to you really use it. So recently, Microsoft has um, uh, has has has, uh, has released this coding assisting tool, which is based on on this. Right. Right. Uh, so in, instead of training it on a lot of English, they have trained it on a lot of code. Right. Uh, that's what they did. But this this approach of taking this these large models, training it on on large data, and right. now see some magic happening is one very exciting area. And we still need to. Yeah, I mean, I think this is great, actually, right? So maybe we can we can um, uh, describe GPT three um, mm. yeah, a bit more for uh, for everyone, I guess, mm. right? Um, so when you say large model, mm. uh, you know, if I understand correctly, GPT three pretty much have you know um, uh, ate for breakfast everything that's available on the internet. I think it's already been dwarfed, though. I think the recent model is like ten times bigger. Some right. Chinese company, but yeah, yeah, I, saw that. yeah. yeah I, I saw that. So it's kind of basically, you know, uh, it, all the data that's available publicly, um, now that it almost has um, uh, an understanding of this. And when you, uh, you know, the example you're saying, like, if I write a sentence, then it could 
it could shockingly enough number of times it yeah. could write the next sentence which yeah. you go wow yeah. so but that is that is part of it and that is actually less shocking okay. because that is something that gpt3 has been trained to do it is right. a language model so it has been trained to predict next word okay. and so you can predict next word and the word after that and you can do that right and that's something right. you trained it to what is even more shocking is that you take a completely unrelated problem right. let's say you know summarizing or right. let's say just some classification and you give it like three or four examples Right. Uh, and now give it a new example and it will in an uncanny number of times it will give you the right answer okay right. that is like that's completely that's it was not even trained to do that it's just right. it just seems like there is some background knowledge that right. you can leverage much better with only few examples right and so the gpt3 paper the paper was called large language models are few short learners right. that's what the paper was called yeah, so yeah, yeah. and that was the exact exciting thing that if you train a large language model and you give few examples of a new problem, right. it will try start solving that problem. So right. it's a few short learner. Right, 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 right. I mean, which is kind of, yeah. you know, maybe like how you could uh, you could uh, train an intern, and then yeah. it starts to. Yeah, I mean, you. I mean, that is approaching right. some sort of general intelligence behavior, right? Like, right, right. I mean, if your interns could do that, uh, yeah, you would be very happy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, no, exactly, exactly. So um, the implication for like say special needs right with this mm. is um you know let's say if i am uh, uh, if let's say there is a question uh, from a parent hey my child is having um, a meltdown i'm mm. in a public place and my child is having a meltdown what should i do if mm. let's say that's the question the parent is asking um what i'm getting to understand is gpt3 could actually provide a really good answer Good. Yeah. Right? Good. Yeah. Because um, on the internet, there are enough articles written about this. There are mm -hmm. enough forums with this type of conversation has happened. Yeah. 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 And just purely based on that, um, yeah, GPT three could provide, you know, if not like a, a nuanced answer, but a decent answer. Yeah. Like no, it could, yeah. and you know, and 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 you would have to engineer. Okay. Sure. That is something like for all AI systems. You have to engineer more important most importantly you have to engineer your data so even the data that gpt is trained on right right it is actually the same data that gpt2 was trained on right. so when they went from two to three they did not increase the data actually the data was you know it was fairly big but it's not like they increased the data significantly like there was small increase was there some cleanup was there right. but it was the size of the model that they truly increased right. okay uh and the data that was you know that it's a very big data set it's like huge right. but it's still like you know a little cleaned up so, I mean, there's some engineering has gone into making sure that the data is not like hate and garbage and like all of that. Got it, got it, right? got it. So some engineering has gone in and that needs to still be go here, but absolutely like it would be able to, you know, I mean, once you've done the engineering, it'll be able to give you a pretty good response to that. Right. And what you're saying here is like, I could even uh, specify because recently I kind of got the beta access to yeah. the open API, yeah. open AI, um, yeah. the, the APIs. Uh, for GPT-10, we are starting to play with it to see what we can do. Right. And uh, um, so, what you're uh, what you're saying here is like, uh, if I can also limit the data in some sense, right? I, I don't need to. The universe of that data could be smaller, and um, I could also train it to say, "Hey, this is right, this is wrong." Type of uh, training for a while. And I mean, the yeah. more and more I do, uh, the more shots, the more. Um, shocking the answer 
you know, in terms of how good it is could be, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's all, all of those things that you could do, like, I mean, uh, give more examples and all of that. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's definitely more things that you can do. And, you know, I mean, as a, as a system for helping parents answer questions like these, definitely you could build one. And one which is actually, you know, I mean, you know, you could you could build uh, which which is maybe even more customized uh, right. to to what they their situation is, right? Like, I mean, it could be right, right. Uh, something like that rather than a generic Got answer. Got uh, you could actually generate a response. Got. I could also like feed like you know the age of the child and the, right. exactly and, uh, the previous uh, past episodes, past episodes, all of that could. Um, yeah, I mean, I think this is one area uh, I'm excited uh, by. Uh, to be able to have like a, um, you know, uh, get to a decent answer quickly. Mm -hmm. And we could potentially even have um, both of this parallel happening, like some experts could be answering. And then we could also have GPT-3 answering, then we can mm -hmm. start to use yeah. the experts answer to train. Right. So, right. I mean, one thing you do though, right. is when you're building solution, like you look at all the engineering options. So for instance, there's a very simple way you could build right. it. You could build like a FAQ thing. Right. Okay. And you could right. just give a search on top right. of it. Right. And of course right. it has its pluses and minus. The plus is that it will, you know, it will be exactly what you want it to be. Right. And there will be, you know, and the minus is also kind of that, that it will be exactly what you wrote right. it to be. Uh, but, but, you know, that's the system. So you, you, when you're building that, if, and in some use cases, you might want that. Right. Like, uh, right. Uh, and so, and so you, you end up building like, you know, a combination of all these where, okay, in certain use case, let's just keep it like a simple search. In certain use case, let's keep it more advanced machine learning. In certain use cases, let's just make him talk to an expert, right? Because right. this is, yeah, this is just yeah, yeah, yeah. not. Yeah. Right, like so, a human, I mean, uh, exactly, human type, of, uh, uh, type of model. Exactly. Right. And uh, the other area could also be that, you know, given that it is not perfect or it is not, you know, it's not, it's not ready to be served. Right. So the cook has made, somebody has to taste it, hmm. maybe intervene a little bit right. before I can bring it to the table uh, type of situation, right? With right. GPT-3 um, from how you're describing it. Uh, one way we could potentially also look at is how a practitioner could use GPT-3 hmm. instead of directly, you know, um, making it available for the teacher uh, or, and, um, for the parent or the child. Mm -hmm. um, a practitioner could use GPT-3. If somebody asked a question, that question is answered by GPT-3, then I go and correct it. Right, 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 right. Absolutely. Yeah. So then uh, it kind of helps, GPT-3 helps me to generate an answer and then uh, I, I can go and modify it, uh, yeah. fix it. So, but you know, when you're doing, and these things are, you know, I was telling, you know, I skipped over what I was actually working on over the right. last 10 years in different dimensions. So, but one of the things that you realize is right. you have to be very careful right. about is this better than you know not having this okay in some sense like from a use case from all of that right and so for instance for 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 not for this particular i mean it may work in this case right i'm not making that comment because, but for instance for like i was working at one point on like building conversational systems and the way we were doing human in the loop initially uh we saw i mean was was this that we will throw we will respond to everything you would let the model respond to everything but there will be a person who will filter it and that turned out to not be the best way to do that right. a better way to do that wa was that you know we will not respond to everything right. from the model we right. will only respond uh when the model is confident right. and then we will auto respond 
and and right. and when the model and when when there is you know less confidence then we will let a human see and we will not show him i mean we we so the issue was that when we were showing the output to the human oh, right, like right, it, right. Like there was more cognitive load in in them reading the options and all of that <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. okay and so they wouldn't do that yeah, right yeah. they would like be like i'll just code yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so it was not adding to them right like it was more pain so editing can be a pain sometimes like anyone who has written code knows it's it can be a pain to write you know to edit someone else's code exactly. and write your own <laughs> so yeah, exactly so, exactly so yeah you have to be very careful about you know ux that's a great point yeah yeah it's a great that's a great point that's a great point so you know we have kind of recently started using gpt3 for mm. writing copy and some of the simpler mm. stuff mm -hmm. and I, I know i'm i faced the exact issue from the team you know i could do this myself you know this is this is a burden um but i kind of keep telling Hmm. you know if you're patient you know like it's like siri one year ago siri was nonsense hmm. but now it is actually understanding a lot of what i'm saying right right so there is that uh, you know not only uh, uh, you know the, the i need to learn how to use this as a hmm. practitioner hmm. because things will get better and then when it is better uh, it's not too late for me to learn it Right, 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 right. So there is like a that practical um, uh, aspect of it. But yeah, I think this is like a, 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 uh, and I, I guess like uh, you know a more complex example is like for example like the coding example that uh, mm. we were talking about mm. uh, is that for every child um, you know there is something called the IEP, which mm. is the individualized uh, education plan. Mm -hmm. Right. So the way IEP works is. Uh, based on a lot of past data and based on a bunch of assessments, um, I set some goals for the child for the year. And then I specify what are some of the interventions I'm going to do uh, and then sequence and plan those interventions. And then you know also specify when I need to reassess and so on. Right? And this IEP gets re you know, reviewed every few months so that there is uh, uh, I'm responding to the, the individual needs of a child. Right. So one of the things that could be really interesting, I thought, was that at some point of time, we could actually generate the IEP automatically. Mm -hmm. right. uh, so, you know, like how diagnosis is happening better and better with, uh, with AI, um, because if I'm able to do IEP, you know, using, um, using this, then it starts to um, uh, have a much bigger impact. Right. Right. So, I when you say you know, I mean, there's so I mean, but what do you base IEPs on? Like, I mean, what are the inputs based so, on which you generate an IEP? Right. The inputs are like um, you know, for let's kind of take a very um, uh, a simple case, right, uh, of a child with um, uh, with uh, uh, dyscalculia, right. So I have mm -hmm. like uh, this child has uh, challenges in processing mathematical concepts, mm -hmm. right. So my IEP would be based on some assessments that I've done. So I would have, uh, you know, done um, an assessment, uh, a learning assessment mm -hmm. of to kind of first say that this child has dyscalculia. Mm -hmm. Then uh, that assessment would also tell me how what, how severe this challenge is. Mm -hmm. And then you know I might have additional exercises where mm -hmm. the child is able to solve these type of problems, not not this type of problems. Right? Okay. So there are like all of this type of uh, input. And even though not a lot of them are digitized today, but mm. as a special educator, I'm kind of forming an intuition of 
all of these things right? Got it. and that is the input and typically in a in a school setting uh, it's done in like a group like if you mm. if you look at us and so on uh, there is like a, a group of people who write the ieb Mm-hmm. Uh, and the parent is involved and you know mm-hmm. um, so, uh, so, you know when the iep gets mm-hmm. uh, right i mean uh, so that's like I, i don't know if i answered you very well but no i mean i think like you know um, so I, okay like my i think that that was good enough the answer uh, but uh, like i mean i think yeah definitely it's more complicated like i'm i'm just trying to visualize you know what are what what we train models for what is the type of setting in which you would model and right. it seems a lot more complicated because it's not like you know straightforward there's all these interventions involved there is like so you know one thing that we need to know is that you know the best models today they are not and okay when we were talking about you know what's the what's the in thing we talked about gpt3 we could have also talked about some of the reinforcement learning work that uh, that deep mind yeah, has maybe, done yeah i yeah maybe that's a great point so sh- should we kind of also talk about a few others before we come back to something sure. complex as this sure sure absolutely so and so okay so there's another setting of machine learning um and uh, and and then and the, the way that setting is different i mean it's called reinforcement learning uh, sutton and all like they you know in canada they they've been they pioneered this work quite some time back and now it's made a sort of a comeback uh, so reinforcement learning in general is a is a way for uh agents and you know like in environment so like you know and by agent we mean anything which can do some actions right. and has some has some you know way to interact with the environment get some reward from the environment based on the action reward or or you know uh, or like punishment whatever right. uh, and so and and it has an internal state it uh, typically uh, and so like so it it's a way of for these agents to 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 sort of how to optimally behave in an uncertain environment Uh, right. it's a, it's a, it's a way of 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 for them to do that and so that is the setting so in 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 supervised learning the setting is we have this function that will do this pattern mapping from like input to output right. in reinforcement learning the setting is that we have an agent which has an environment around it and it has to interact with it and it wants to maximize some reward okay like a game and, like a game exactly a lot more like a game and so and so and so there's a lot of things which you know which which become easier and complicated both like i in this scenario right um you know the good thing is that if you have actually a good model of the environment you can make the agent do a lot of things and so right. typically you know you can run a lot of simulations you can see what happens when something happens and so you can collect a lot of reward and so you know i mean which may not so for instance like you know in a real life scenario which is outside of this environment game right. it might not be possible like these uh, for you to get all these all all this information um so but okay so so this is a this is a different setting of machine learning and and a lot of the advances on the uh, on on the deep mind side right. uh, which they has done so which is basically you know the alpha go right um, um if I, if people haven't watched that documentary like there is a beautiful documentary like it's right. it's it's more like a movie but you know it, it like emotionally tugs yeah, yeah on yeah. you and it's it's really nice um uh, on 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 lisa dolls I mean, when Lisa Dawes describes AlphaGo uh, and how he feels, you know, like going up against this machine. I mean, it, 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 uh, you know, I mean, you get goosebumps. <laughs> so, so yeah. So, uh, so that, that, and then more recently and more significantly, I would say, you know, that the change, the, the way they've used um, uh, reinforcement learning and other clever innovations. uh to sort of solve the protein folding problem i mean you know or at least partially i mean i don't know if it's like solved in this most generality but 
in a big chunk of the generality they've solved it and now they've released the structure of all known proteins which is like amazing uh, and so and so and so you know the progress that has gone so i okay let's in the protein folding i think they've done more advances that actually ha i haven't gone around to going checking what they've done they have done some really cool stuff there but uh, but but still like it's within this thing of reinforcement learning where they where you know you have uh, you have an environment and you you can basically play a game and you can you learn by playing a lot of games so you 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 have a you can keep generating more data in a way right so that problem of we not having data uh, you know uh, yeah. in a lot of problems Got is it. not there because you can just keep generating more data as long as you throw more compute at it you can just keep more games and going through more scenarios Got it. so is that's this, uh, the alpha zero type Yes, yes. So, the, so you know, they start. So, the Alpha Zero. You know, they started with, uh, and there are people who would say, "Is the zero really zero? Right. Uh, because you know, um, but you know, it's it's very close to this. So, I mean, like, it's basically how much minimal do you do you actually put in by hand? Right. And so, they they started with you know like one game, and then they sort of generalized it to more games, and then they finally come up to this place where you know you just give the game definition and whatever, and we will learn to play. And so it's a, it doesn't matter what game it is we can learn to play any game and that's the zero bit uh, uh, that you know uh, so you know, yeah. i was uh, i was listening to this quote uh, where they were saying you know uh, like in the morning it doesn't know the game uh, by mm. the time it's beating the game <laughs> <laughs> so absolutely absolutely so yeah i mean i think that's a great um, you know what i was uh, uh, um, I, I when I first came across this, I was like, "Wow, this is uh, like games. Pretty much everything we do could be a game. Uh, like you know, in uh, you know, in the game, and they're not like to kind of make it uh, uh, less important. Um, mm -hmm. But in the sense, for example, if I'm designing an intervention for a child, uh, it is like uh, all the moves I make in creating this intervention, which is going to lead to a change." In the child's uh, post-assessment, mm. right, and um, you know, you know, this intervention could be a combination of many things. Mm -hmm. And the the beauty of Alpha Zero, from what I could see, is I don't even have to specify all the things upfront. I can just keep adding new possibilities, and it will start to figure out. And it's going to come up with, you know, you know, this idea of IEP even like for the whole year is unnecessary. Right. Actually, I could do IEP for the next session all the time. Right. right. That should be the, the right thing to do. Right. In fact, right. I could even do change it in between the sessions. Right. 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 I could be uh, as dynamic. And, you know, that's what a, you know, a game setting would be. Right. Yeah. yeah. I'm actually so, really measuring yeah. how the child is responding. Yeah. Um, and if, the, if there is progress, if I'm able to granularly measure yeah. that progress yeah. Uh, yeah. using a combination of what the child writes or says or, and, but also, uh, you know, recognizing the emotion yeah. interface, yeah. engagement, and all of that. If yeah. I provide all of that data, then uh, this could kind of solve. Right. No, so I mean the yeah, that's absolutely correct. And but you know the, the, the I'll tell you the tricky part, right? So the so the tricky part is it's it's like a game, but it's not really. And the okay. ways in which it is not, I mean, right. in real world in general, right? right? So for instance. Right. Reinforcement learning is something that people try to use a lot and with some success for say gen for like communication for like right. chatbots essentially right. okay right. and they still do but you know that's not the real paradigm uh, of doing it and the problem becomes when it is not truly a game okay right. 
uh, then you have to still simulate again. Got okay. it. And so now right. you need to have a model of the environment, which is close to the true model of the environment. Right. You need to have a model of the reward, right. which is close to the true model of the reward. And you need to have, you know, sometimes a model of other right. players, which is close to true model of the other players. Got it. And doing that is tricky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it, got it, got it. Understand, understand. Yeah. But you can still make progress. Like you can still, what you can do is like you can get to the closest possible model that you can get, train something to 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 behave in a certain way in that environment. But you know that that gives you a starting point. And so now with fewer uh fewer you know true data points, you should be able to get to a better performance. So this still helps. So like there's been work, you know, which which first you know pre-trains things you know in a like a in a simulated environment, right. uh, and then you use like then you typically would not use as much data, and you can you can do better with lesser data and things like that. So this is still helpful, but you know, but the but the holy grail of you know just yeah, transferring yeah. it here. If only you could do that, but no, no, absolutely, absolutely. I think this is yeah. this is beautiful. I mean, I think your your um, your point about how um, the the representation of the real world is complex yeah. right? yeah. and uh, knowing everything that is important to be represented is right. is a crazy problem to solve yeah. I, I, I wouldn't even know um, you know what should be in this model yeah and but, you even just think of something which might be as simple as reward right you know like forget the environment the environment is complex okay right. but the reward is also not simple like i mean how are you gonna i mean you know what are the things on which you're gonna like, you know, for instance, is every time the child smiles, that could be a reward right. for your system. Like, you know, right. uh, and this could be so many dimensions of how, of what's a plus, what's a minus, and it. it becomes so difficult to design that. Got it, uh, got it, got it. But would you think that, uh, let's say, right, uh, like a flight simulator, right? Right. I don't fly the actual plane. Right. Right. But if I'm able to, uh, let's say, if there is like a, a Zoom call of a child, um, I'm kind of, you know, shooting from my hip now. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, if let's say if there is a way to simulate an environment mm. where um, uh, the system is able to learn and then it kind of reaches a level of maturity mm. before we actually fly the plane. Right, right. Absolutely. That's what I was right. saying. The thing you could do. Right. You could do the pre-training by like building, you know, good environment models and reward models. And you could, you could have like something which is primed up Right. Which is almost can 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 right. build IPs for you, right? Um, but then you know you need to still make sure that you know you actually tune it on real data and 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 then check its performance there Got to be to have confidence of sort of deploying a solution like that. Got uh, it. Yeah. So uh, the other way to look at it is you know the step one is good enough and that just creates options and then you put the human in the loop. Yeah. And so then that sort of you know makes it easier for you to oh, even if you know it's not the best even if it just makes the job of the human easier. And then the third thing that I wanted to put right. there was, okay, right. AI is, you know, beyond ML, there is also, you know, the AI traditionally has been a planning thing. Right. Okay, you use AI, 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 you can use AI to, you know, plan things out. And right. so one thing that you could use is like, is basically like, let's say you are designing the IP, Right. But let's say, you know, it's a complex design, but right. it's sort of autocomplete. Think of autocomplete, right? Like you, you put one section, puts in the autocomplete and you're like, okay, this is good. So it just, you know, increases the efficiency. Uh, so maybe it helps in your creativity, but also increases the efficiency. And so by just giving you more options in front of you. Got it. So I that, think that's that a, is definitely doable. 
that's I a think. great way. I mean, like how Tesla is doing their yeah. art, you know. So you got to be in the driver's seat. Yeah. You got to be, you know, you got to have your wheels, you know, hands yeah. on the steering wheel. Yeah. And um, and then slowly, 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 yeah. we will do the stuff type of yeah. uh, approach. Exactly. Right? Wow, exactly. yeah, I think that's a great way to um, great way to look at uh, look at it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think uh, well, like there are like a bunch of problems to solve uh, in the IEP. So typically, right, IEPs the the whole uh, uh, idea of IEP is created in a world where there's very little or no digital mm. uh, input, mm -hmm. right? So it's like you know, it's it's designed for a uh, you know completely human uh, system, right? That's why the IEP is written for the whole year, mm. right? Kind of having a plan for the whole year is. Which like, is, I mean, I can't even think of it. How do I plan a year of my I, life out? <laughs> yeah, kind of, kind of, and uh, and also because the child is growing, right? The child is interacting with so many other things besides the interventions. Mm. So what's happening to this child is continuously evolving. And, um, you know, and how do I, you know, IEP, you know, in some sense, it's also like a model, uh, mm -hmm. even though it's not represented, it's represented in the brains of the people involved. Right. And, um, you know, I have kind of built a model and as a result, all the limitations of the model is going to show up in the, right. in the IEP. The right. fact that I review the IEP only three times, four times a year is also another really serious um, issue. Uh, so maybe there is a way to change the paradigm mm -hmm. of, uh, you know, what should happen in the next session, right? Instead of the whole plan, you know, um, when we were doing our initial experiments, that's kind of what I was trying to build in a very crude Excel sheet type of uh, mm -hmm. algorithms to kind of say, if uh, we were able to measure progress through the adaptive learning tool. Okay. And what we were basically saying was, we will plan for the next three sessions mm -hmm. with the with the goal to say you know let's say if the child has finished through two percent of the curriculum mm -hmm. and uh, the child has managed to get to 2.5 percent at the end of the session so make a prediction of where the child can go in three sessions mm -hmm. and plan those sessions like that was our was our very crude approach to uh, right, right. To, to this um, we we didn't really crack that problem when we were trying to do that, but I kind of feel there is something there that we could um, potentially do more of. Yeah, no, yeah, and I mean, and I think you know the one thing that comes to my mind is like, see, like having things more real time also means, I mean, like having things in one place. Like, right. I mean, like you you need to collect more information, you need to know more things for right. you for. For things to be you know based on the system like the system needs to rec be recording more and more events right uh for it to you know be able to i mean forget the machine learning bit of it just right. the software bit of it right yeah. even that bit needs to be you know and so do you what do you think is the right balance between i mean when at, at some point that can become too intrusive right uh for right. uh so i mean how do you think about that like i mean how yeah i think yeah no i, I think that's a great point right so even like even with chess where mm. it's a very bounded problem, right? Uh, like sometimes uh, uh, human beings make moves which the system doesn't recommend, but then they turn out to be much better moves. Right. Which is what you're saying as intrusive, right? That I'm kind of uh, limiting the, 
the creativity or the expression of the yeah i mean it's yeah i mean that's actually maybe even more serious because in that case the system made us made an intervention which you know i mean which was bad like i mean eventually right, right. but even to make more and more interventions like i just meant it from like a privacy point of view oh i see what is the granularity at which the system right. needs to collect data right. to be able to give these like you know more granular interventions and got it um, got it yeah yeah oh, i see i see i see but i kind of feel that um you know uh, we could definitely have better data management mm. and privacy uh, architectures right mm. uh, like um, you know like the whole decentralization type approach mm. Mm-hmm. so Absolutely. that the data is not owned by a company um it's you know um i'm lending the data as a user for a period mm. for the system to help me mm. right and then i take it back it's almost like i have my medical reports i take it to the doctor and i bring it back the mm. doctor doesn't get to keep it mm. right so this i mean i think we could build a model like that where um uh, the system doesn't remember you got it but the system can use the data based on all that has learned to right. tell you good you know valuable things right 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 yeah so i mean i think we could we could do something no, okay i think that is that makes sense yeah but i also have one more question like so okay i i think i jumped on to privacy which is i think that's a that makes sense but there was also another question in my mind which was okay how do i mean because Uh, do we have all the data in one place like i mean how do you do that so yeah. like i mean for instance like the if the children if the child is like solving problems on like a piece of paper right. in the class like like do you now like collect that that what were the problems that he was able to solve and what not i mean right right or do you do everything on an app i mean how do you do that no no i i think this is a this is a you know um uh, this is a a significant um, uh, issue uh, for example what you're saying here is that Uh, let's say um, uh, uh, i may not be able to uh, um, uh, digitize all the interventions the child had because some mm. interventions are planned interventions some things right. are like the child was sitting <laughs> to some other child and learned right? right so i mean that type of stuff uh, would happen but i think in you know the large of you know the the law of large numbers would take over and mm. we would be able to you know um, got it okay right. if you have enough children enough children if you if right. you have that you would right. you know i think like the best metaphor would be like a turn by turn um you know um, guidance by google maps for example mm-hmm. right so even though sometimes the google map could make mistakes it mm-hmm. could actually uh, you know take me to a path where it's like i'm stuck in traffic and then it could have mm-hmm. taken me in different path where there was no traffic right. but over time it will fix itself mm. right like you know if i compare it with an existing driver who is going to drive me uh, without any knowledge mm. right um, you know like i mean i remember you know when i when i used to take uber like four five years ago um, you know um, or maybe more a little more the the uber drivers would go in their own path they would not right, right, use they wouldn't the, follow uh, the recommended yeah. google map Yeah, yeah, but yeah. i have seen now that's completely gone yeah yeah you know sometimes i would say hey why are you taking this route i was like i think it's better to trust the map you know <laughs> so the reliability the you know the results have shown that it's actually better to um, better to follow but yeah i think you know you, you're right it maybe it's a in this case it's a, no yeah and i think you, you know you right? figure out the right balance right there, right because there's a bit of a balance that you know okay 
see if you don't have too granular information i mean you want your your intervention to be granular to the extent at which you are collecting information right. so you don't want right, right? so right. i mean so maybe right. weekly is the right thing right or yeah. maybe it's not daily so and those right. are things that you can only figure out once you start yeah 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 no totally yeah. totally totally Totally. Yeah, I mean, I think this is, uh, you know, so we kind of talked about GPT-3 and we talked about reinforcement, yeah. reinforcement learning. So what are some of the other things? Right. That right, right, right. So I'll tell you what I'm most, I mean, there's a lot of things, right? I mean, there's right. such a, such a, such a, uh, uh, like active area of research right now. So many things are happening, but the thing that I, okay. So I'll tell you one issue with what we're doing that we have all these black boxes, which do pattern recognition create. Right. Uh, okay. And I use the, uh, I mean, it's not really a black box. You can open it. You can see what's inside it. It's difficult to make sense of it though. It's not a black box. It's more like, you know, there are too many wires. I mean, what do I do? And so you don't know how all these decisions are being made, even though you're getting excellent performance. Right. Uh, you don't, I mean, the trust has become an issue because now that you're getting excellent performance, there is a push for like solving real life problems. Right. And so then there's a pushback. Okay. How do I trust this? And so that has become a whole area, right? And then that has lots of offshoots as in specific ways like bias in data and all of that is one direction. Right. But then I think there is more fundamental, like, you know, the way we are, so there's a separate direction in which people are working on how, so there's a, uh, 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 I'm not sure if you're familiar, there's Julia Pearl, uh, a prof uh, is, a, is a maths, okay. computer science uh, okay. professor out of Israel. So he, long back, he came up with this, calculus for causality so you have right. this whole like pearl uh, you know this whole right. so he essentially extended uh, uh, the bayesian framework and now it has like these causal representations and not just correlation right uh, okay. and so you have like you know in things like there are two core things one is like you know you have interventions what you can that you can talk about that in a mathematical way and you can talk about uh, something called do calculus which he came up with and so so the the point is now there is an interest uh, in like combining uh, right. things from so as I said the, the problem is trust the problem is we we don't have so one option is people explain it in all sorts of different ways but I mean I think a lot of them are like cosmetic ways of you know we currently need to make our deployments work but from right. a fundamental level I right. think what's what will what will likely to I mean in my opinion this purely an opinion is likely to sort of give some breakthroughs in this direction of trust. Is when we figure out how to put in causality right uh, along with this and so uh, with with machine learning so that we can at some point at, re, at some point interrogate our models as to why you know Got so it. both we can do both things we can specify causal relationships in advance so that our models learn you know so uh, in line with those causal relationships okay right. and at the same time post output we should be able to inter interrogate that okay you know through why questions we should be able to ask hopefully someday and get answers to uh, i think this is a great uh, point right like if i'm like fda approving yeah. a drug uh, yeah. you know i'm kind of expecting to understand you know what is the active ingredient yeah. which, which circuits uh, yeah. which mechanisms it affect and why does it make sense and all of uh, yeah. that exactly uh, but don't you think that at some level um, I'm going to give up on causality, right? Because 
maybe I can go a couple of levels, but then after that, it becomes impossible to answer in any field. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So there's this brilliant video of Feynman, right? Uh, have you seen that video? No, it no, is no. this amazing video of like him, of, of uh, why two, why, so there's this reporter that asks him that, you know, why do two mag magnets attract or something? Like some, right. some, some question like that. Right. And he starts with saying, you know, I mean, he goes on like essentially, you know, he, I mean, people would say he roasts him, but I think he was being extremely logical, basically right. pointing out that you have to give me a framework which I'm allowed to use right. in order to answer a why question. Because right. if you do not grant me that, then you can always go beyond below that. And right. that that that's just an infinite regress of why right. questions. Right, right, right. Uh, and so, yeah, so you're absolutely. And so in the solution that we come up with causality, I definitely, I think there will have to be some allow, some understood framework. Right. under which the explanations will be given by models right. but no further like you know you cannot go further like so and as long as that is good for fda good <laughs> right right i mean i think that's a great point right so yeah. particularly as as we we look at how we would apply this in, in newer newer areas mm. uh, right for example if i'm using this to uh, i'm using an ai model to approve a credit card application right um, right then uh, maybe the 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 proof is really in the risk that I, yeah. the actualized risk uh, yeah. at the end of the period and you know um, in the number of uh, number of people that uh, don't pay back uh, the uh, the credit and uh, slowly i can improve the model um, so the explainability is not that big a issue in some domains mm -hmm. Right. But when it comes to medical and so on, and particularly we don't know what is the long term implications, like yeah. the, the controversies around yeah. the current vaccines, for example, yeah. I have no idea to, and there's no way to get long term data right. in the future because right. <laughs> there's, I, I will not have it by design. Yeah. Yeah. How, do we, uh, yeah. how do we solve it? And as it, you know, I mean, I, I totally uh, see what you're saying, like uh, the, the pushback against this risk of, uh, there is a lot of unknown and you're taking right. a lot of complex decisions and you want me to believe it is, yeah. you know, is asking a lot. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So yeah. And I mean, basically the way you do it today, you know, I mean, it's not like you can't do it today. Like the way you do it today is by being very, very careful and maintaining right. these systems carefully right. by making sure that these things are true at all times. And you do it by engineering and by operations. Right. That's how you do it. Now the, the future hopefully is going to be where we don't, because that has got, that has pushed up the cost of building AI products essentially, right. Right? right? Like you have to run these operations and you have to be, you have to carefully monitor things. Now, hopefully that's, that's what this direction of research will make it easier. You know, right. that instead of being, of doing so much operations, you actually have like, you know, you can uh, better causal understanding of what's going on uh, right. in your, in your models. Uh, so yeah, uh, but definitely like this just comes up like not even I mean even even in the case that you talked about right like for instance like the 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 loan approval like right. it's it's fine but till someone says hey did I not get a loan because I am black got it yeah 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 right yeah, yeah. and so it it becomes it becomes key in even even very simple no actually yeah great point great point like you know what is the bias in that uh, yeah exactly yeah. am I being unfairly treated yeah. by that system right yeah yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. totally totally yeah yeah no this is fascinating this is fascinating conversation and uh hope we you know come back and do this once more uh, sure. right and hope you enjoyed um, uh, enjoyed the discussion no this was a lot of fun and you know and 
I think, you know, it's like I told you, right? Like I am interested in knowing the, you know, the different problems that people are working on. And from that science point of view, I think it was very helpful for, for me to right. sort of see, you know, that the scale of this problem. Right. And I mean, no question that it's a very important problem, but right. you know, the scale might not be obvious to most people. Right. It definitely wasn't to me. And right. so, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, this was very educative for me. Awesome. Awesome. Great. Thanks a lot, Amun. Uh, and uh, cool. Awesome. All right, Balaji. Yeah. Bye. Bye.